Do you remember our discussion several weeks ago about how the United States was sending so many weapons to Ukraine? You know, so many javelins, the anti-tank weapon systems, and so many artillery shells and so on, that the United States was depleting its own supply of weapons. Well, not a lot of people picked up on that story, but it turns out it was a major point that is now resurfacing. And there's an organization called Rusi.org, R-U-S-I.org, and there's an author there named Alex Vershinen who has done a very important analysis of the industrial production capabilities of the United States and Russia and how capable these countries are of actually building the weapons that are needed to sustain a war like what we're seeing in Ukraine, which isn't even really a large-scale war. This is a small scale. I mean, it was a special military operation from the beginning. It wouldn't even call it a war. You know, not not yet anyway. Maybe it's going that direction, but the question is, can the United States even sustain a war? So this piece, if you want to read it for yourself, it's called The Return of Industrial Warfare. And it makes some very critical points. And I'm just going to summarize it for you here and say the bottom line is the United States can't wage war any longer because the industrial base of America has been, well, wiped out over the last few decades. And this isn't World War II where the U.S. was the industrial center of the world, and the U.S. manufactured the tanks and the boats and the airplanes and the bullets and the rifles and everything else. No, this is America that has outsourced everything to China or Mexico or Korea or somewhere else. The U.S. barely makes anything, and it certainly doesn't make enough weapons. And, and one of the shocking conclusions that came out of this analysis by Alex Vershinen is that the United States annual production of artillery rounds, okay, the annual production, a whole year of production, would be used up in just 10 days of war with Russia in, in, at the same pace that it's being waged right now between Russia and Ukraine. In other words, if the U.S. were to engage Russia in a land war over Ukraine, an entire year's worth of production would be wiped out in 10 days. So how is that? How is that possible? Well, the answer is the U.S. barely produces munitions. I mean, for some of the artillery rounds, they only produce you know, a, a few thousand rounds a year. And for the so-called precision-guided munitions, for the Excalibur, the, these, or, or they're called Excalibur, these cost the United States $176,000 each. That's per round. $176,000 per round. So, the U.S. only makes 426 rounds per year of that and because they're so expensive. I mean, you only have 400 rounds for the whole country. Meanwhile, what Russia does is really so much smarter. Russia manufactures a whole lot of so-called dumb artillery rounds, which are non-guided. You know, you aim them and you launch them and then you have a spotter and you correct the launching angle and and the charge amount, and so on, you correct, and that's how you kind of walk the fire in on your intended target. And those so-called dumb artillery rounds, they're very cheap to make. I don't know the exact cost, but I'm guessing maybe $1,000 a round. So the United States will spend $176,000 per round to have a precision-guided munition to make sure it hits exactly on the spot where Russia might only spend $1,000 a round and then we'll just 
hit you with a hundred rounds. It's just like they don't really need that much precision. And and by the way, there's they still have good precision anyway because with skill and and practice in battle, you can drive those artillery rounds pretty much right where you want them. You know, plus or minus twenty meters or something like that. So the U.S. pays an enormous amount of money to have munitions that are extremely accurate, like plus or minus three meters, where Russia spends a fraction of that to have dumb munitions that are plus or minus, like I said, maybe it's 20 meters. I don't know. Maybe it's 50 meters. I don't know the exact number, but you get the idea. If you're willing to give up a little bit of accuracy, the price plummets and you can make a whole lot more. But the point is that Russia is also an industrial country. Russia makes stuff. Russia has a steel industry. Russia manufactures rockets and rocket engines and artillery and, and military units. And Russia makes electronics and radiation detectors. Russia has a uh, quite an impressive science industry, but also an industrial base. So Russia makes a lot of stuff. America doesn't make much of anything anymore. And so America doesn't have the steel industry that Russia has. America doesn't have the manufacturing know-how, the machinists, for example, that can take a hunk of steel and turn it into a functional part, you know, by hand with a lathe and a drill press and things like that. The Russians know how to do that. America doesn't because that's been lost. And by the way, part of the reason that Russia is so good at making things is because Russia has been living under economic sanctions for a very long time. And so the economic sanctions against Russia have actually forced the country to become more self-sufficient for this entire time. Whereas America and the West has had the convenience of just-in-time supply chains, and so they haven't really been forced to be self-sufficient. You can always get steel from China. You know, you can always get your custom electronics parts from Korea or Canada or Japan or, or the UK or wherever. So, you know, it, it, kind of the same way that a, a parent might cut off their teenage son from free money and force the son, you know, go out and find a job, earn a living. And then that son becomes more of a self-made person, you know, becomes more self-reliant. That's what happened to Russia. Russia was cut off from many segments of the global economy and it, it had to become, had to grow up and become more self-sufficient. Whereas the United States now is that spoiled brat teenage son that's getting free money from daddy and a free car and a credit card with no limits on spending. And so that son learns nothing, doesn't learn self-reliance whatsoever. And then when things hit the fan, guess which son is more capable, like which son can actually survive, you see. That's where we are right now. And so the same thing is true with the UK, by the way. As mentioned in this analysis by Vershinen, he says there was a war simulation that the U.K. participated in, and it turns out that in this simulation, the United Kingdom forces depleted their entire stockpile of munitions in just eight days. And that was a simulated war with um, the U.S., the U.K., and French forces, apparently. So in eight days, they wiped out all their ammunition. And in ten days, the U.S. would use all of the artillery that it makes in an entire year. And it's a similar story with javelins and stingers and, you know, any kind of missile systems. The, the missiles that are manufactured by the U.S. just aren't very numerous. And you wonder why the U.S. doesn't want to enter a land war with Russia. Part of the answer is because the U.S. 
could only fight that war for about, you know, 30 days, maybe. That's about it. And then uh, you're out of ammo. <laughs> what, what do you do then? Uh, uh, shoot rubber band guns at the Russians? That, you know, pew, pew, pew. What, what do you do? And so, yes, the U.S. has nuclear missiles and cruise missiles, but they're ancient compared to what Russia has. They're ancient. The U.S. doesn't have ICBMs that do anything close to what the Russians can do. They have hyperglide vehicles. You know, they have uh, evasive maneuvers built into their ICBMs, which also travel at Mach 20 plus, by the way, you know, like the Yaris missile. So the U.S. does not have the industrial base to fight and win a war, not with Russia and not with China. Now, what the U.S. can do really well is, you know, launch kind of old nukes. And the U.S. does have aircraft carriers. The U.S. has a very strong navy, so the U.S. can shell from the ocean. You know, they can fire dumb shells from their naval vessels. And the U.S. has uh, satellites. They can view the battlefield. The U.S. has drones. You know, they can launch, like, Maverick missiles, air-to-ground missiles, and things like that. So, sure. U.S. has some stuff, stealth bombers, things like that. But to sustain a ground war, the entire philosophy of the U.S. is wrong. The philosophy has been that, oh, we don't need a lot of artillery because we're going to have smart missiles and smart munitions, and we're just going to hit a few targets, and then we're done. Well, the war in Ukraine has proven that that's not the case at all. Because, you know, as Russia is conquering uh, Severodonetsk and uh, Lizichansk and uh, all, all these other regions in, in the Donbass area. What has turned up in that is that Russia has to like pulverize entire areas because the forces they're trying to target are mobile. And the U.S. philosophy has assumed that your enemy's targets are going to be fixed, you know, like a fixed command center or a fixed communication center or a fixed missile launch site. And that's just not the case anymore. I mean, Russia's got mobile missile launchers like the Iskander missiles that are two giant missiles on a large vehicle, a roadworthy vehicle. They can run down the highway and then they just park it and just the back goes vertical. You know, two, two giant Iskander missiles launch from the back of this vehicle and they can carry nukes, by the way, and, you know, thermobaric fuel air explosive munitions as well. So... You can't just target fixed locations anymore. The smart munitions approach won't work. It's a failure. And the other assumption of the United States was that they would have air dominance in any war. Well, that's not the case. Not the case in Ukraine, is it? Russia has air dominance. And if you don't have air dominance, then you're going to have to fight like mad on the ground. And then you're going to need a ton of artillery. And the U.S. doesn't have it. <laughs> they just don't have the shells. And we have sent so much to Russia that we, the United States, we've depleted our own domestic supply. And this is what I mentioned a few weeks ago when I covered this. So much that we are vulnerable to a land attack from China. So you've heard this before. We've talked about it, that China plans to invade the continental United States with an attack from the West Coast. And this came out of uh, Dr. Yen, uh, Li Meng, and also... Um, J.R. Nyquist and those interviews and the leaked audio out of China, they plan to carry out a land attack against the United States. Well, what's the U.S. going to use to defend itself against that? 
when we've sent all our munitions to Ukraine. It's all been blown up, you know, in the fight against Russia. And then you, you start to look at the schedules of how the U.S. is going to manufacture new munitions, and you start to read, like, Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and so on. They're like, yeah, we're going to have, uh, you know, a few thousand more javelins by the year 2026, you know, things like that. Uh, 2026, or actually I think it was 2027, it's like, uh, that's too late. <laughs> we, we need them now if we're going to defend ourselves against an imminent attack. But the, the point in all of this is the manufacturing base of the world is no longer the United States like it was in World War II. It is China now and Russia. Now, China's much larger in terms of its industrial base. China manufactures so much of the product that's distributed around the world. But Russia also is self-reliant and has a lot of heavy industry, like steel, like I mentioned, and mining operations and rare earth metals, you know, and, and aluminum and lithium and silver and things like that. Russia mines all that. They are self-reliant. The U.S. is not. China mines minerals. China manufactures. So in World War II, Russia's economy or industrial base was in shambles. Russia couldn't even manufacture basic rifles to get them out into the hands of their, of their troops. Some of their troops in World War II fought against the Nazis using broomsticks painted black, you know, to pretend like they were guns when obviously they weren't. But the U.S. is in that situation today, the situation that Russia was in in like 1942 or, or 1943, that, that time frame. The U.S. can't fight a war. And on top of that, the U.S. military can't get soldiers. We covered this yesterday. Did you know the United States Army has lowered its recruitment uh, guidelines to where you no longer need a high school diploma to join the army. And remember, they've allowed more and more tattoos because they used to have limitations. If you had MS-13 gang tattoos all the way up your neck, you couldn't join the army because they knew that gangs were joining the army in order to learn how to use explosives. <laughs> Seriously, and to run smuggling routes and so on. But now the army has loosened its restrictions. So if you're a gangbanger, and you have gang tattoos all over the place, and you don't have a high school diploma, no problem. You can join up now. They'll take you because they can't find enough people to join. And so the U.S. military, they're running out of people, and they're running out of munitions. And frankly, all the branches of the military cannot meet their recruitment goals this year. They're all running low. And then we don't have the industrial base. We don't have the manufacturing. We don't have the mining we don't have the steel. How's America going to fight a war again, other than just trying to nuke everybody, which is not a great idea because they're just going to nuke you back, right? I mean, just a nuke exchange is not a great way to try to win a war because everybody loses. But understand the United States cannot fight a war with China or a war with Russia. And also, just as importantly, understand the United States military cannot fight a domestic war against the American people, even though that's been the plan of the controllers. They want to turn the military against the people. Turns out the military can't sustain a war against the people. 
<laughs> kind of changes things, doesn't it? A lot different from what you might have uh, supposed before now. So keep all this in mind when you hear all the the insane posturing of the USA and NATO. Oh, we're going to destroy Russia. Okay, with what? What are you going to destroy Russia with? Because you don't have hardly any ammo. Your, your M777 artillery unit is getting blown up over there. Your F-35 stealth aircraft keep falling out of the sky. What are you going to use to destroy Russia with again? Explain that to me. Tell me the story. Because it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy, folks. The U.S. military, is um, its days are over because this is an empire in decline. The U.S. empire is a failed empire, and it will collapse uh, probably financially first. But also the military is a failed endeavor at this point as well. So we'll see where this goes. All right, this is not the outcome that I desire because I love America. I want to see America succeed. And I do believe that we will rebuild America. But the America that we know right now, uh, it's going to fall. So just be prepared for that and understand it's going to take a lot to rebuild this country. And we can only rebuild it after the criminals and the neocons who have destroyed it are removed from power and prosecuted for their crimes. So thank you for listening. I'm Mike Adams here at the Health Ranger, naturalnews.com, and also brighton.com. Take care. A global reset is coming, and that's why I've recorded a new nine-hour audiobook. It's called The Global Reset Survival Guide. You can download it for free by subscribing to the naturalnews.com email newsletter, which is also free. I'll describe how the monetary system fails. I also cover emergency medicine and first aid and what to buy to help you avoid infections. So download this guide. It's free. It's my gift to you simply because I want like-minded people to survive.